Hey guys, it's Blake, and you're listening to an all-new episode of Blonde Hair, Blackheart. So I've got to just start by saying I apologize um, if I sound super congested and nasally and disgusting. Um, I don't think it's a cold. I'm praying it's not a cold. I I truly do think it's just my allergies going crazy. Um, We're like fully into spring here in the desert. And, um, you know, the past few weeks, everything has been blooming and a blossoming and it's beautiful and I love it. But my God, am I miserable? Um, so yeah, totally apologize. Um, but you know, I don't know, maybe this is my like Phoebe Buffay moment. Do you guys remember when she got a cold and all of a sudden she was like really sexy and she was like, smelly cat, smelly cat. And it was like really hot. Anyways, that's me now, sexy Phoebe Buffay. So I hope you guys enjoy. Um, So I was thinking it's been a hot minute since I gave you guys like a classic Housewives or uh, Bravo show recap, which is kind of the bread and butter of this podcast, or at least it's it's what it started as like a recap podcast. Um, So it's been a few weeks, I mean, maybe even like a month since I've like legitimately sat down and gone through episodes. Um, But this past week, we got the season premiere of The Real Housewives of Atlanta. And I've got to say, like, the one episode was better than this entire season of Real Housewives of New Jersey. Um, And then we had one of the wildest episodes of Vanderpump Rules maybe ever. So I figured this is, you know, the best possible time for me to jump back in and give you guys the recaps. So without any further ado, let's talk about the premiere of The Real Housewives of Atlanta. The episode begins with a tease of Ross's 40th birthday party and all of the drama that occurs, but we've got to jump back a whole four days to get the full story. Sheree introduces us to Martel, her new beau, who arrives to her house for dinner in a full-on tuxedo. I mean, you gotta make a good first impression on the fans, I guess. Now, apparently this guy is also a reality star, um, and he has a bit of a shady past, but I personally have no clue who he is. I mean, he seems nice, he's really good-looking, and Sheree looks better than ever, so I'm happy for her and this hot little hookup. Sheree is still upset with Candy after their beef last season, but honestly, it feels very forced. Like, to me, it feels like Sheree is looking for beef, which is usually Candy's job. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. And I mean, Candy, we know, has a lot of jobs, like actual jobs, and Sheree can't even launch a landing page for her joggers, so... Uh... Also, Sheree's upset that Candy's been spoofing her on Instagram, but that's what the Bravo lebs do. I mean, look at all of the Pump Rules kids cashing in on the scandal. If you're not making the most out of these moments, then you're missing out. Speaking of Candy's jobs, she's at work planning her next Candy Code adventure when Kenya and Monietta come in to say what's up. Kenya also wants to let us know that Sheree's new man, Martel, has been up in her DMs. Ooh, is this gonna be Chris Bassett all over again? <laughs> Candy tells the girls about how Todd has been working on writing a movie, and he's really frustrated that Candy hasn't been helping him out in the same way that he helps her with her career. Okay, here's the thing. I'm all about supporting your partner no matter what. I I am. But ultimately, what's paying the bills? Is it Todd's movie, or is it Candy's career? Like, you gotta put the focus where it needs to be, Todd. Sonya's preparing for Ross's birthday party, but luckily she has the help of her entire family who works for her. So family dynamics are already hard enough, but throw in the fact that all of your siblings are on your payroll? Yikes. Big yikes. But whatever works for them. I mean, I make my mom and dad do stuff for me all the time, but I don't pay them. 
I feel like that's what parents are for. And let's ignore the fact that I'm 34 years old. Marlo is still raising her nephews, and she reveals that her relationship with her sister, their mom, is still strained. She's not been in contact with her sons at all since she left jail. It's really sad. Like, I feel for the boys, and I really hope that they're being treated well and not being kicked out of the house anymore. I mean, it's a sad state of affairs when Marlo is the most motherly person in your family. Seriously. Sonia and Sheree get together and introduce us to the new friend of, Courtney, and she's giving us the most stale storyline for a new bitch coming onto the scene. The I don't know her bit. Like, I don't care if you're the one who doesn't know her or the one that isn't known, I don't want to hear it. Unless you're Mariah Carey talking about J-Lo, I really do not care who you know or who you don't know. Period. These kinds of fights always end up being really dumb and stupid and over nothing, which is exactly how this one plays out later on at Ross's party. But Sheree certainly doesn't help the situation by gassing Courtney up and calling Candy petty and saying she's bored, and then saying all she does is eat and suck dick. I mean, she basically called her a fat whore. Not cool. Now we've got Ross's 40th, and I've got to say, Sonya stepped her pussy up with this party. It is fabulous, and everyone looks amazing. You know, if there's one thing about the Atlanta ladies, it's that they're gonna show up and show out. So I actually feel bad for Drew that she had to miss out on the party, but like, why did she have to miss out on the entire episode? Like for real, where oh where is Drew Sedora? Meanwhile, the ladies who are in attendance are having fun, everyone seems to be getting along, there's no drama. Then enter Courtney. I knew this chick was trouble. She goes straight for Candy, who, you can tell, thinks that this is all bullshit. Courtney's mad because she claims she knows Candy, while Candy is going around telling everyone that they aren't friends. But Candy says, straight up, I don't know you. And like, it makes sense that it would be way more impactful or memorable for Courtney to meet Candy Burris than the other way around. Just saying. We'll see how things play out as this party continues next week, but honestly, at this point, I'm about to tell everyone that I don't know who Courtney is either. We're also going to see Kenya and Martel's feud play out, as Kenya is claiming that he was up in her DMs trying to get with her. Once a cheater, always a cheater. That's what Rachel Green's mom said, at least. One of the best things about growing up in Arizona is that there's incredible Mexican food on every street corner. And you know what goes best with good Mexican food? Traditional Mexican horchata. Don't know what horchata is? It's creamy, delicious rice milk flavored with cinnamon, vanilla, and sugar. Okay, you thirsty now? Me too. Luckily, even if you're far from the southern border, you can get your horchata fix every day with Sinmin. Sinmin is a brand created by my good friend Tyler, who is even more obsessed with horchata and all things cinnamon than I am. He's developed all natural skincare products and more, crafted in California with ethically sourced ingredients and infused with real cinnamon. Have you heard of the antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral, or antioxidant properties of cinnamon when applied to the skin? Or how about how it helps treat acne? What about how cinnamon promotes blood flow, helping with skin elasticity by bringing blood flow to the surface of the skin and helping to moisturize skin with all of that added circulation? Some of my personal favorite products from Sinmin are their signature lip balm that gives your lips a sweet tingle and a subtle natural plump, their all-natural deodorant developed for sensitive skin, and the Coco Chata body beverage that leaves your body hydrated and smelling like heaven. They even have candles and air fresheners to keep your entire home, car, or office smelling like your favorite dessert. With Sinmin, you'll enjoy all the benefits Sinmin has to offer your skin and your senses. Visit Sinmin.com, that's S-I-N-M-I-N.com, and use code Blake at checkout for 15% off your total order today and receive free shipping on all orders over $50. That's code Blake for 15% off your order at Sinmin.com. I may have a black heart, but I can be sweet sometimes, and Sinmin definitely helps. Alright, it's Vanderpump Rules time. 
So this episode floored me. Like, truly, there were so many moments that had my jaw on the floor. Katie and Ariana are preparing for their venue preview of something about her. This is such a, like, reality TV trope. Like, anytime a reality star starts a business, they have a party to announce the idea, then a party to announce the venue, then a party to announce their opening, and then the actual party when they open. Like, it's a lot. I'm exhausted. But I'm proud of the girls for taking this idea and running with it. There are way too many seasons of this show with the Toms playing business owner, and I'm ready to see some boss bitch energy on Vanderpump Rules. You know, besides from Lisa Vanderpump, the ultimate boss bitch. Katie and Ariana chat a little bit about the situation from the last episode where Lala called out Sandoval for not leaving a pool party to be with Ariana when her grandma died. Ariana is, once again, making a lot of excuses for Tom. Like, she really did cover for this man so much with the group. He did not deserve a protective partner like her. Meanwhile, Raquel and Charlie are out shopping and talking shit about Katie and her mom. Ugh. Then, Raquel is stopped dead in her tracks by a lightning bolt necklace. I wonder what the significance of a lightning bolt could be. It must be something important to her if she's willing to drop nearly $800 on that tacky Claire's-looking thing. Also, the fact that she bought it for herself? So on brand. Debbie Desperado. The Toms are still preparing to open Schwartz and Sandy's. Can we please quickly address the fact that we're at the end of the season and these dumbasses still haven't gotten this place open? But instead of focusing on their business venture, the Toms are doing everything in their power to try and make Ariana look like a villain in her relationship. You know, to try and make it okay when Sandoval reveals he's been cheating on her with her best friend. He's going on and on about how he does this and he does that for Ariana, like buying pens and batteries. Ugh, what a saint. But she doesn't do the same thing. Okay, dude, different people bring different things to the relationship. Like, me and my husband don't do the same things. We, we both provide different things, like different pieces of one puzzle. I pay our bills, for example, and he does the dirty dishes, you know? Like, Sandoval, you buy pens and Ariana doesn't fuck your best friend. It's give and take. Sandoval says it's frustrating to be with Ariana because she never agrees with him or tells him he's right. But maybe, just maybe, that's because he's always wrong. Later on, Sandoval tries to express these feelings to Ariana herself, and he says that there's a distance between them, to which she agrees. She says it's hard for her to be close with someone, emotionally or physically, when they don't spend any real quality time together. So Tom asks her what she means by quality time, and she tells him what any normal person would know to be quality time. Cooking and eating a meal together, going on a nice long walk, just enjoying each other's company. Tom disagrees, though, because he's not a normal person. What he thinks qualifies as quality time is doing drugs and going hang gliding. Like I said, this dude is not normal. Tom also points out that he thinks Ariana belittles him in front of everyone, which is interesting because doesn't Tom belittle literally everyone? And he acts like Ariana's just this blob that doesn't do anything and doesn't engage with him or bring anything to the table or the conversation, but like, let's be real, spending time with Raquel can't be all that mentally stimulating. James and Allie are getting ready to leave for James's big gig at the Imagine Festival, and Allie mentions that maybe James should consider going to therapy. James immediately dismisses this idea, saying he knows what his problems are, so why should he pay to go talk to a stranger just so they can point them out? Well, I mean, I don't think the point of therapy is just to have someone point out your problems, but to actually work through them and make them better, right? No? Maybe so? Allie tells him that therapy's great, it can help you unpack childhood trauma, and James laughs and says he doesn't have any childhood trauma. <laughs> Bro, we've all met your mother. You for sure have childhood trauma. The Toms are getting ready to go to the Something About Her event, and they're talking about how confusing it is that Katie's so upset over Schwartz and Raquel making out. 
Schwartz says that it wasn't worth the blowout, and he wouldn't have done it if he'd known that she would be so upset. <laughs> Dude, where have you been all season? Katie literally told you multiple times it would make her upset. <sighs> I can't. I just fucking can't. So the event is literally only at something about her for, like, ten minutes, and then they're off to Sir to wreak some havoc. And havoc they shall wreak. Schwartz and Terry have a little chat, and Schwartz is still defending his bullshit decisions. He calls his agreement with Katie to not shit where they ate tentative, and he basically acts as though it doesn't mean anything. And this is exactly the problem they had their entire relationship. Nothing Tom ever said to Katie or promised to Katie meant anything. And Katie has always been so crystal clear with Tom about her feelings, maybe too aggressively at times, but you could never say that she was hard to read. Tom constantly acts like Katie's all over the place and he doesn't know where she stands, but frankly, if he doesn't know why kissing Raquel was a slap in the face to Katie, then he really must be an idiot. Ariana and Raquel have one of the most awkward and uncomfortable conversations we've seen on 10 years of this show. Knowing what we know now about Raquel and Sandoval, watching her question Ariana about her and Tom's sex life and pry into their relationship so much, it's so weird. It's so icky. Like, is she fishing for information? Was she trying to get Ariana to break up with Tom? Like, what was going through this chick's brain? If anything. I mean, honestly, there can't be anything going through her brain, as indicated by her walking up to Katie and thinking anything good was going to come from that conversation. Honestly, I can't even get into the specifics of the conversation because it makes me so mad. Raquel is a sociopath. Like, Scandoval aside, even if she and Sandoval had never gotten together, she would still be the villain of this season. She's a fucking monster. This whole Schwartz and Katie and Raquel triangle is so gross, and it makes me so mad that I created it, and honestly, Raquel is the only one gaining anything out of this. And what is she gaining? Like, making Sandoval jealous, maybe? Or providing a cover-up for her relationship with him? Either way, it's clearly making her happy to see Katie hurting. She's a demon. A stupid, stupid demon. And don't even get me started on how she spoke to Terry. Oh, hell no, you do not come for Terry Maloney like that. Then enter Sandoval, puffing his chest to, again, little old Terry. Like, what the hell did Terry ever do to anyone? But for real, Sandoval saying it's tacky for Katie to have her mom fight her battles? Okay, A of all, that's not what happened. B of all, you fight all of Schwartz's battles, and Raquel is currently trying to fight another battle on your behalf, on behalf of Schwartz. Like, seriously, shut the fuck up. Shut. The. Fuck. Up. Shut the fuck up. You know what's tacky, Sandoval? Taking a quarter of a million dollars from your mom and blowing it. So this whole thing explodes and sends Ariana into a spiral, because watching your partner harass your business partner and flirt with his mistress at your event is not fun. It's just not. But Sandoval doesn't care, or even notice, really, because his bambi-eyed mistress is confronting his arch-nemesis, the woman who hogged Schwartz from him. Katie and Schwartz go into the back alley to talk, but Raquel sniffs out a pair she can come in between and races outside. She's so fucking annoying. Honestly, like Katie says approximately 17 times during this scene, go away! And all Schwartz can do is defend Raquel. He can't once stand up for Katie, even once, just to say to Raquel, please just let us have a conversation. It's infuriating. The Toms and Raquel are honestly the most insufferable people that have ever been on this show. And Jax Taylor was on this show. So the episode ends with Lisa Vanderpump giving a toast about how all of them will soon learn to handle their problems like adults, which is obviously laughable given what's about to go down next week. And frankly, I can't fucking wait.
All right, guys, that's it for today because I've got to go blow my nose. <laughs> Make sure you follow me on social media at Blonde Hair Black Heart, subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode, and go give me a five-star rating or review. Until next time, bye. bye.